Welcome to The Quality Horizon, a podcast produced by the IAQG for the IAQG. Greetings, everyone, and welcome. I'm your host, Susan Matson, and with me today is Carl Zimmerman. Carl is the Core Quality Auditor for Spirit Aerosystems, and he's also the IAQG's international document sponsor for the 9102 standard. Welcome to the show, Carl. Thank you. Thanks. So, Carl, I, I hear there's some news to share. The 9102 has a new revision. Revision C, I, that must really feel, feel good, doesn't it? Yes, it's taken us quite a while, longer than expected, to get the standard revised out. Some of the, the revision process and going through the, all the comments, and then there were some delays through technical writing, finally made it through publication. Wonderful. Well, for some of our listeners who may not know what the 9102 standard is, can you tell us, can you give us a little a highlight of, of that standard and, and who uses it? The 9102 standard is the standard for first article inspections. It's driven from a 9100, 8.5.1.3, the requirement to perform first articles. So it's used by aerospace OEMs and suppliers that have 9100 and flow that requirement down that the first articles are performed per the 9102 standard. And then there's also uses in medical space and even MROs are using the standard also, even though it's not a requirement that they do so, they use it just for consistency when they flow, flow down requirements. That's a lot of people probably globally that are, that are touching this standard. So with so much interest between this Rev-V that was out and, and now this newly released Rev-C, what are some of those key changes or things that happened and occurred over between the two that you want to highlight? So we went through and tried to make several clarifications throughout the document. Some of the key additions or changes that was done in the revision was we added a option for a detailed C of C for special processes in lieu of a first article. There wasn't a lot of first articles being done by the special processors, and it was an issue in the industry. A lot of customers were accepting C of Cs from the processors and then filling out the first article information themselves. Uh, so we tried to add something in that matched what was happening in the industry and put a little more structure to it and requirements that uh, all the characteristics had to be documented on the C of C for it to replace the first article for a special process. We also removed the exemption for unique single runs. This exemption was highly misinterpreted or misunderstood. One of the examples that was in the standard for a unique single run was out of production spare that was only made once. There was people that interpreted it for all spares, so they didn't perform first articles on any spares that they produced. There was also people that used that to get around first articles. There was examples that came up during 
are conversations where they had a customer that received parts from their supplier with no first article. It was a three-year contract and they ran all the parts for the contract in one run so that they wouldn't have to perform a first article on it and could say it was a unique single run. So in looking at it, we found that it was misused more than than it was to exempt it where there wasn't as much value in performing a first article there. So the decision was made to just remove that unique single run exemption. There are cases it will create more work for a supplier, but overall created a consistency throughout the industry that it was better to not have that clause in the standard. The balloon balloon drawings, that was actually in the first revision of 9102 standard and revision A removed it and it wasn't in revision B either, although most of the customers expected it when we went through and and checked to see what other additional documents besides the forms were always required by customers. That was the only document that all other customers seemed to require that was above the the forms and it it wasn't a requirement of the standards. So we went ahead and added that as requirement of the standard, which is back to the first revision of 9102. And then we also did changes like change the definition for design characteristics to exclude the specifications. We went and changed complete, not complete, was misinterpreted or misunderstood on whether the first article was finished or whether it had non-conformances against the first article. So we changed it to simply is, does the first article have a non-conformance in it? Yes or no. And then a couple of the other changes were that our major impacting was the potential to affect fit form or function was changed to are the characteristics invalidated by the change and then there was a a few changes to the forms like adding a reason for partial part type making it a requirement that the first article has a secondary review and the signature lines were removed on forms two and three. That sounds like there was a lot of changes. Now I understand why so many people are interested in under in, in knowing more of what what happened with the release of RevC. I do have a question. I know that it's published. Is it published globally? That was that was something I heard be- in in a previous conversation. It was published in the Americas and Europe's at the end of June. It is still working through the translation stage for the Asia Pacific standard and is expected to be published in the next couple months, but it has not been published there yet. Okay, perfect. And I'm assuming there'll be a notification that comes out when that happens for that sector or that part of the world. Yes, Um, with with all of these changes that you just noted, and I'm sure those are just the highlights, there were others. 
the writing team, as you were developing this revision, worked in tandem with the SEMH group. And I'm assuming most of the team kind of doubled on both to help also write some guidance material. I'm assuming with some of these changes, you need a little bit of an explanation of how to use them and, and what to do with them. So can you talk about some of those those additional materials that people have available to them? Yeah, as we were going through the standard, we would disposition the comments when we talked about them as to things that needed to put in the standard or maybe it was additional guidance needed to be done. So we would disposition some of the comments that we would address them in the guidance material. As we worked through the standard, we came up with we should produce a manual similar to what 9145 did with explanations on on different sections of the standard and we went through and put the intent of the sections if we had further explanation we added it into the manual also and then we tried to do a best practice or common mistakes for those sections also one of the other things that was brought up was example first articles so we took a first article engineering package and we went through and created the first article forms off of that to to make an example that people could follow on how to fill out the first article forms from engineering package 2d we are still planning on making a 3d example but haven't that completed yet so more to come then huh yes wonderful okay so i know not too long ago you had a webinar that you held regarding some of these updates and regarding the guidance material specifically too through the SCMH PSCI group. And there were a lot of questions. Are there any of those questions that warrant a, a comment here just because they seem to be something that really bubbled to the top in terms of how people need to use first article inspection requirements, the standard, or were the changes that might be a little more challenging to understand? What most people had a concern with was the transition time period wanted to know how long they had to be compliant with the new version. The IEQG, since it's not a certification standard, does not give a transition time period. So they'll have to work with their, their customers. And then the other part that adds into it is many of the suppliers use first article software. Until the first article software is updated to the new forms, they wouldn't be able to transition. So some of it's reliant on when the customer requires them to transition and when the software companies will be ready for them to transition with a new version of software to account for all of the changes. Another So it could be different. It could be different board. times, yeah, for for different suppliers. Some of them when we talk to customers, some of them have contracts where they may not have to transition to the new revision for the life of the contract. So until the contract expires, they can actually stay on revision B. And so that was one of the concerns they were looking for a hard transition date. 
and one doesn't really exist. Hmm. And that makes, I can understand that, that cause for concern. Were there any other concerns about transitioning to the new standard? A couple of the questions that came up during the webinar were the definition of design characteristics that changed that no longer includes specifications in the definition of design characteristics. So that'll be changed for the way some of some of the people count for specification characteristics within their first articles. And some of the OEMs will flow down an additional requirement for those characteristics to be accounted for, even though it's no longer a requirement of the standard. The other item that came up that we've heard on before is confusion on how to extract the characteristics for model-based definition. And that's been ongoing concern. And one of the reasons that we're going ahead to develop a example of a model-based definition, FAI, that's completed. We just haven't completed that yet. Yeah. And, and you know what? You dovetail into my next question about some examples of good practices encouraged by the standard and the FAI process. I know in that webinar, you talked in great length of one of the examples that you had. Can you expand on might be some good practices here? We went through and when we developed the manual, we tried to go through section by section and look for any additional guidance, interpretation, background information that might help the users understand how we came up with the wording or how it was to be interpreted. We also tried to go through and put any common mistakes that we could think of or best practices for each section. The best practices wouldn't be a requirement, but it's things we've run across in the industry that have worked for some companies. The team, the writing team that we had was pretty diverse and have seen a lot of different examples of problems within the industry or best practices. So they were able to help bring all those forward that we documented in the manual by section. So the users should have an idea of these are the mistakes that we've seen repeated. And these are some of the best practices that have been seen from some companies that maybe they want to implement within their own company. That manual sounds like it could be a, a huge resource for so many people. So what prompted the development of this revision? Was there a particular incident or was it just a time frame that you were going on? It was up for the five-year review, and so we were looking at it. Some of the people on the previous rewrite team thought that it could go on, that it didn't really need to be updated. I went ahead and sent a survey out through the IAQG for feedback on if people thought that the first article standard needed to have a revision. There was a couple things that we knew of that probably should be updated. And that survey came back with close to 380 comments on there of things that people thought needed changed or updated or clarified. 
So from that, we decided that it was definitely needed to go into a revision and started planning to revise it at that time. 300 comments sounds like a lot. Were there repetitive concerns during this revision process or challenges that you had to address with the team? I'm assuming it wasn't just you. It was a whole team of us that went through it. As we went through the rewrite, we had our kickoff meeting in October of 2019. Before we could really get into our next meeting, COVID had hit. So we started doing it all virtually. The team that we had was really great. We started holding meetings. It first started out to be monthly, then we changed it to weekly. And so we met two hours a week, almost every week. There was participants not only here in the U.S., but in Europe and Japan and other parts of Asia. Those people over there are in different time zones. There were some people that would meet two hours a week, every week for almost three years. And they were logging on at nine and 10 o'clock at night to participate in these meetings. So the team put a lot of effort into making sure that we went through everything. We dispositioned all the comments and we discussed everything that we could think of as for interpretations so that we could put out a good document. My goodness, Carl, I had no idea. I guarantee you a good portion of our listeners also don't. I think the one thing we need to point out is that this is not your day job. These are all members of your team who have a job that they're doing nine to five-ish or whatever that time frame is. But the IAQG is a volunteer participant role. So all of these people that you are talking about that were taking hours and hours, that's in addition to their day workload, correct? Yes, it is. And they did invest a lot of time in going going through this. So there's a round of thanks and applause for everyone, including you. Thank you for putting this together. That is just three years during COVID and everything. So mm, wonder. So I don't want to switch gears, but I do want to get back to a couple of these other things. So how has this all been received? I mean, it's now out in two of the three sectors that you talked about within the Americas and Europe and, and the Asia Pacific areas is just shy of having it rolled out. How is it being received? I mean, you talked earlier about, you know, clarification and adding structure and removing exemptions and adding in the balloon and being more consistent. What are you hearing out there? From what I've heard, it's mostly positive. They like the clarification. We tried to make sure that it could at least be understood. There was issues previously where the customer would interpret the standard one way, the suppliers were interpreting it another way. So there was just a unaligned expectation of what was to be provided. We tried to work through that to where even if people don't agree with, with what it says, at least it's clear. So then customers, if they have a diff- different expectation, they can flow that down to the suppliers and it can be done contractually so they're not getting to where they're ready to deliver parts. And then all of a sudden there's a disagreement on the interpretation of the standard. Now, there are some people that 
don't like the unique single run exemption was removed or that it's not required to extract design characteristics from the specifications any longer. But we tried to at least make it clear to where if there's a customer that wants something different than those points, they can flow that down contractually if they need to. And then their supplier understands what they have to do to fulfill their first article requirements. So all of this information and the standard itself, you talked about forms, you talked about a manual, we discussed a webinar, key changes. There's a lot of documentation that after someone listens to this, they go, where can I find all of that stuff? So can you help our listeners know that we've got some information on IAQG.org? And we also have some information on the SCMH. But can you expand on where to find stuff? Yeah, the under the IAQG forms has the new forms for the revision C. And we went ahead and left up the forms for revision B currently because we know that during transition, some people are still going to be using that. When they go into IAQG under the 9102 standard, there's a resources link and that has the key changes for the new revision and it also has the FAQs that are for revision B. We've incorporated those into the standard or into the manual, but as again, as people are still transitioning, they may need to go back to those FAQs for the old revision until they completely transition to the new revision. So we marked them as revision B FAQs and left them under the resources. The place that the most information is, is under the SCMH section 3.2 for first article inspection. They'll be able to find the webinar that was recorded. It is now posted under that section along with the manual that we created and the example FAIs that we've put out so far. And more will come, right? So as your team continues to develop those, they'll be found most in the SCMH site. Correct. So, and just to reiterate, to get to the SCMH site, it's scmh.iaqg.org. I believe this is under the make model, correct, Carl? Yes, it is. And it's 3.2 under the make model. Okay. Anything else you wanted to talk about? Did I leave something on the table that we needed to discuss about revision C, about 9102, about the materials, about the team? Is there anything that I missed? No, I think part of the success of the revision was the team that contributed their time. And we also had a lot of discussions. So each of the team members became experts and took the stuff back to their own companies and brought back more information. So there's key resources throughout the industry for all those people that were active participants on the team. Now they're able to explain it to people within their companies or the suppliers they work with, and they can give background and more information on the sections or any questions that people have. So during this revision, I think that was part of it. We not only revised the standard and made guidance material, but we made several experts throughout the industry that can work with their own companies and help clarify 
issues that they that come up. Yes. And Carl, that raises one more point that we should probably make for people who are listening and have questions that aren't necessarily easily identified in the manual or in the guidance materials. If you are on the SCMH site and you do have a follow-up question, you can all contact SCMH among each of the guidance areas, put that information, and that will go right to your team. Correct, Carl? And you're able to respond. Yes, it will. Great. Well, Carl, thank you so much. Thank you. This has been great having a conversation and learning more about these changes to the RevC. Thank you, Susan. So thank you all again for taking the time and listening to us and, and hearing a little bit more about the 9102 standard and the newly published revision C. This is Susan Matson, and you have been listening to the IAQG Quality Horizon. Until next time, stay safe. Thank you for tuning in to the Quality Horizon, a product of the International Aerospace Quality Group. Mm-hmm.